Good. Okay. Great. You know, I'm reminded each time I speak around this time um, that I'm the only thing that's standing between you and lunch. And uh, <laughs> when I used to speak at conferences, I'd always make that comment. And one time I said, well, don't worry, I'm only going to be an, an hour. And then a person down here in the bottom said, well, don't worry, I'm only going to listen for 15 minutes. <laughs> I said, okay, so anytime I speak at lunchtime, I'm reminded of that. So all kidding aside, I really wanted to just share with you um, along the, what Pastor Tony was sharing with you in terms of loving each other and serving each other and, and just being those examples in terms of servanthood. I, I think that's so important. I love that this meeting is called Servant Leadership because if you do any studying about leadership, you know that servanthood and being an example is really an important component of being an effective leader. And I've been in a number of leadership positions, and I've done a lot of studying about leadership. I've spoken about it um, a lot of different times. But being that example, being a servant, is really paramount to being a good leader. And I think, you know, we have our example with Jesus, you know, the servant that Jesus was. You know, when we read in Matthew, you know, we hear from Jesus' words when he said, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we have that example of Jesus, and we want to become like Jesus as servants. I know you've heard the saying before, and I keep it in mind all the time whenever I'm serving, and I hope you would keep it in mind when you're serving, in that what you're doing is speaking a lot louder than what you're saying. What you're doing is speaking a lot louder than what you're saying. So we can say a lot of things, but we got to really be that example in terms of where we're serving, whatever ministry it may be. We want to be that example. So I wanted to tie in last month, Pastor Tony was sharing um, from the book of Isaiah, and he was talking about how we can become prepared, or how do we prepare to serve in our own lives. And as he was sharing, if you recall, he shared about how we need to be in tune with God and how we have to let God do a work within, within us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you recall, he came up here and he did the, the analogy, right? He got the guitar and he said, okay, just as we tune this guitar, we need to get tuned or we have to have God tune us. So it can be that what that sound, that perfect sound that God wants us to be in terms of working with others. So I want to kind of carry that idea or follow that a little bit more in terms of how we prepare to serve. So if I was going to title this little short talk, I would call it Prepared to Serve. How do we prepare to serve and serve the body and serve each other? And I think there's a really neat there's so many neat examples in the Bible. If you've been coming to our Wednesday night study, you know, we've been studying Pastor Joe, teaching out of the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was a great example of a leader. And what was indicative of Nehemiah? And those of us that have been coming to Wednesday night, we know that Nehemiah was what? He was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer first and foremost. Because what did Nehemiah say? So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. And mourn for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So we know a good leader has to be what? A person of prayer, first and foremost. Secondly, Nehemiah studied the word. We read in Nehemiah, Then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive. 
to the book of the law. So Nehemiah taught the word of God, he studied the word of God, and he preached it to the people. And then lastly, he worshiped and he trusted God for his promises. This is what we do. We come here, we worship, we trust God, we learn from his word, and then we trust those promises of God. And this was really indicative of the other early church, you know, when we read in Acts, and many of us read this scripture over and over, Acts 2.42, in terms of, as they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So we understand, and we can't overemphasize the importance of praying, reading in the word, being in fellowship. And this is something that we're going to constantly re-emphasize each time we come together as leaders and as servants of the Lord. What I'd like to share a little bit about this morning is in our own personal lives, how do we prepare? How do we prepare our lives and how do we live our lives in terms of being in God's will? And that's an important facet of our lives, being in God's will I know a lot of us, probably if you're like me, when I was younger, you know, you ask, what's God's will for my life? What should I be doing? You know, where am I going to be? Where am I going? Well, God gives us some direction in his word about that will and being in his will as we live our lives. If you look at the book of Romans, we're going to be looking at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. And the book of Romans is a really neat little passage in the first two verses, Romans 1 and 2, and as you're turning there, just a little background to Romans. Romans is the first of the 13 epistles written by Paul, and it's really about the doctrine of Christianity. And Paul really outlines or specifies the doctrine of our beliefs in Christ and how we have reconciliation with God through Christ and you know who we are in Christ. And in these first couple of <clears throat> verses of chapter 12, Paul talks about how to live out the will of God in our lives, how to live out the will of God in our lives. And he says, reading from verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Really powerful two verses here at the beginning of the chapter because Paul, after he's outlined for 11 chapters the doctrine and our position in Christ, he's saying, I'm begging you, brethren, therefore, as a result of all the things that I've talked about from chapters 1 through 11, that you what? You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And he says, by the mercies of God, and we know what those mercies of God, each of us has experienced it in our life, right? We've been saved by grace, you know, God's great mercy for us. He's changed our lives. He's doing a work in our lives. But as we remember those mercies of God, we need to present our bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Okay, not living for ourselves, right? Not living for ourselves, but for the Lord first and foremost. Now, a lot of times they think of, okay, what does that mean, a living sacrifice? What does that mean in terms of presenting our bodies? And it's not just our bodies, it's our minds, too. You know, our bodies carry out what our mind thinks. And in this particular passage, Paul's really speaking to us in terms of bringing your mind and your body together. So when you think about your lives each day, 
that you would be what? Dedicated to the Lord, not only in body, but in mind also, in our thoughts, in our things, in what we plan for each day. It goes on to say, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we talk about not being conformed, he's really talking about not being conformed to the world, right? Okay, now being transformed. Okay, so when we're not conformed to the world, that means we're not living according to this world and its culture and the different things that <clears throat> the world is going on. But what? We are transformed, right, by being having the mind of Christ and being in Christ. Remember the whole idea of <clears throat> being conformed and transformed. A really good metaphor is the whole idea of a thermostat, right? A thermostat and a thermometer. And I've shared this before. What does a thermometer do? Think about it for a second. What does a thermometer do? The thermometer, what? Reflects the temperature, right? The temperature. And think about reflecting the temperature of the culture. Is our lives, are our lives representing the culture? Or are we like a thermostat in terms of what we're doing is changing the climate of the culture? Are we having an impact? Are we setting Are we setting in our lives this thermostat or how our lives are going to be lived? So you've got to ask yourself the question, you know, what are you living for? What are you living for? Are you living for the world or are you living for the Lord? Are you living to make an impact for Christ? Or are you trying to, you know, be conformed to what the world is about? By the renewing of your mind, that's a really important point in terms of renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, you renew your mind by what? Reading the word, right? Reading the word. Remember, transformed is really metamorphous. It's the word we get the word metamorphous. metamorphous. So when you want to transform your mind, you need to what? You need to be in the word and you need to be studying the word. And just a comment about studying the Word. Um, I know each of us read each morning, and we should be reading each morning. We're studying God's Word. And you can get a lot of head knowledge about the Word, but you're going to need to get a heart knowledge. It has to change your life. And I could recite, I can recite chapters for you. I could recite the books of the Bibles for you. But if it's not changing my life, if I'm not getting in that relationship with the Lord where it says to get to know him, to have that relationship, you're just studying. You're just studying. And I always say I have a lot of credentials, but the credentials don't matter if I don't have the character of God in me and I'm not living for him. So those are important things to remember. And then it says, transform by the renewing of your mind in the word and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So your life will be in the will of God if what? You're transformed, you're giving your life, you're living your life for him, and then you'll have that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. You can't prove it in your life without the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's what Pastor Tony was saying. We need the Holy Spirit to be teaching us and helping us grow each day. I like the translation of J.B. Phillips of this passage, verses 1 and 2. J.B. Phillips said this, and again, it's referring to verses 1 and 2. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, 
as an act of intelligent worship to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold you, remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. I really like that translation of verses 1 and 2. But I can put it simply. i just give you one simple advice from the word. In Psalms, Psalms 37.4, Delight yourself. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So delight, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of the heart. All right, I'm going to just read real quickly. And I know just in the interest of time, like I say, I'm the only thing holding you from lunch right now. But the rest of the verses after verse 2, verses 3 through 13, really talk about our relationship with each other and our relationship to believers. And let me just read through these and highlight a couple of points. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, be many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So <clears throat> we know that we are a part of one body. Everybody fulfills a different role. And no one's to think any more highly of themselves. God talks a lot about this in terms of humility and being humble. Going on, as we look at this, verses 6 through 8, and this regarding our gifts, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So, Exercising the gifts, it emphasizes, let us use them. All of you have different gifts. All of you are exercising different gifts right now as you partake and as you're part of this body. Let us continue to use them. Use them, what, diligently in keeping them, knowing that God gave them as a gift to us. Nobody's any special. Everyone has different strengths. Everyone plays a different role in the body. And then verses 9 through 13, behave like a Christian. And this is the fruits of the Spirit. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. In that short section, it really has a lot, and I don't have the time here to break down each of those verses, but maybe at another time I could give you more insight to that, but I just want to highlight a couple of things. And as Pastor Tony said, we need to be a loving church. We need to love one another, and we need to show that by what? And how we exercise our gifts, how we give, how we have patience with each other, how we serve not only a body, how we serve each other. Because Paul emphasizes throughout the epistles in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he said, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity of flesh, but through love serve one another. Let us serve one another through love. 
Because we know what? Love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Remember later in the same chapter it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, there, against such there is no law. So in order to live in the will of God, we have to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We have to be transformed. Okay? And then as we see the different gifts and different things that we do, that we're given in terms of God's gifts to us, then we exercise them. I like this little story, and I, just, I think it's a cute little story. I'll read it to you. I read it in a commentary. And I think it, it illustrates what we need to be or how we need to be. And it's a story about a person that was applying for the missionary work, and he was going to go to his interview. Let me tell you this story. Twenty years ago, a missionary candidate was summoned to appear before a certain examiner. A veteran missionary himself, the examiner instructed the young man to come to his house at 5 a.m. the next Monday morning. So the young man got up at 4 a.m. and was at the examiner's house by 4.55. Wait for me, the examiner said as he ushered the candidate into his study. Three hours later, the examiner returned and said, How do you spell Baker? B-A-K-E-R, answered the young man. How's your math? asked the examiner. What's two plus two? Four, answered the young man. Satisfied, the examiner said, I'm going to recommend you for service in our mission. And the young candidate left the interview somewhat perplexed. That evening, the examiner met with his mission board and said, I highly recommend this young man for ministry. I tested him on self-denial. He rolled out of bed and showed up at 4.55 a.m. Patience, I made him wait three hours in my study, and he didn't say a word. Temper, I asked him to spell baker, and he didn't become agitated. Humility, I asked him what two plus two was, and he answered readily. This man will make a great missionary. Let that be us in terms of how we exercise our different gifts and our different service. Let that be indicative of us in terms of our humility, in terms of our patience, in terms of our, our love and how we respond to each other. And I'll finish just with this verse in Colossians um, 3, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you and me, you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. I'll end with this little story, um, or just a little sharing right here. Last month, when Pastor Tony finished um, the leadership class, and I was just sitting there, I was about to leave, a sister was sitting by me, and she said to me, I really love this church. And I said, okay, that's good. And she said, I really love the people. I love, I just love how we're a family. We're together. We, we love each other. We care for each other. And I was really taken aback. I thought, wow, what a neat, neat, neat thing to do. What a neat 
indicative thing to be of the church, to be a church that loves each other, that cares for each other, that supports each other, and that a sister would feel that kind of love and that we're I hope we're that kind of church every day. I hope we're that you're that kind of person every day in terms of loving each other. Like I said, I could speak on a lot of different things. I I spoken on trust, I've spoken on conflict resolution, I've spoken on a lot of different things, but I think one of the main things in leadership is that you would have that love. You would have that love for each other. Um, <clears throat> I know that we have to be prayed up. I know we have to be studying in the Word. I know we have to be fellowshipping. Remember, we pray the work, but God does the work. We pray the work, but God does the work. So let's be those people that love, pray, and are studying according to this word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you for this afternoon, Lord. I thank you for your word again, Lord. Thank you for showing us through your word, Lord, how we should be and how we should behave as, as believers in you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we can just come to you each day, Lord, and we can just lay our lives before you. And I pray, Lord, that we just might be that living sacrifice, that we might be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. Help us each day as we set out in this world, knowing that it's evil, Lord. Help us to be that light. Help us to be that place where people can come and we can share your love, Lord, and that we can just be witnesses and testimonies of the great things you've done in our lives, Father. We thank you so much. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, and I pray for this afternoon, this week, Lord. Again, be with them, guide them, strengthen them, Lord, and help us, Lord, again, be committed to you, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Do a great work in our lives, Father. We just thank you and praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen. God bless you guys.